May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my Lord and my God. Romans 8 as a whole is not an easy text. In fact, Romans has been the subject of debate and conversation for centuries. Rest assured, I'm not trying to get any theological brownie points by preaching it. Even though, historically, I have been a little bit of a teacher's pet. <laughs> Having been a bit of a teacher's pet and a good student, I think it's a good idea to provide some context on the background of the Romans letter. The Romans letter is written to the whole church, meant to encourage them in their faith, as well as fundraise for Paul's trip to Rome. Paul packs a lot of content into this letter, so there are many avenues that one can take when preaching on Romans. Luckily for us, the lectionary helps us out with that problem, giving us Romans as the text for this week and continuing for this past week and continuing on to this week. And it just so happens that I heard one of my friends preach on Romans 8 this last term. In their sermon, they acknowledged the collective nature of Romans, speaking to the world's brokenness, but also of love. More than anything, my friend's sermon reminded me of the power of connection, of relationships, of not feeling alone. Even though their message was about speaking truth to power, to me, it felt like a hug. And I am attempting to capture some of that magic for us today. One of the powerful things about Romans 8 is that Paul just doesn't draw from relationships with other people, but also creation and the Trinitarian God. In our verses before the passage for today, Paul talks about how creation has been groaning as it suffers together the pains of labor. And I think if Paul were writing Romans 8 today, he might also include hot flashes. For Paul, as humans, we join in the suffering of creation. As many people in the Northern Hemisphere suffer health complications as a result of the rising temperatures across the globe, it is becoming harder and harder for Western cultures and non-Indigenous people to ignore the truth that we are intimately bound up with creation. Even when people grapple with this knowledge, people are often at a loss on how to act. This phenomenon is also true for things like gun violence, wars, and pandemics. At a more personal level, we can often find ourselves at a loss in our relationships with each other. Life is hard and at times exhausting, especially when we are facing existential threats such as global warming daily. And in one of the paradoxes of our time, we are more connected than ever, but also lonelier. This loneliness is reinforced by individualism, and individualism lends itself to judgment because if I manage to do it all by myself, why can't someone else? Subconsciously, we fall into the temptation of judging others, of deciding that someone is less deserving of our time, attention, resources, or prayer. Even when we recognize it, it can be hard to practice interdependence in the face of individualism. But we are not alone in our struggle. In verse 26, it says, 
the Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. The Holy Spirit joins in our lament over not knowing how to pray or respond to one another in the world around us. The Holy Spirit joins in our lament over the burdens of individualism. In our scripture for today, Romans 8, verses 26 to 39, Paul speaks of the power of interdependence to endure challenging times. For the church community that Paul was writing, things like persecution, famine, and peril, on, and so on, were common dangers that they faced. Especially being under Roman rule, it was even more important that they stick together and depend on each other. On a basic level, interdependence requires investment and reciprocal relationships. Elsewhere in Romans, Paul uses Abraham from the Old Testament to illustrate his points. For Paul's audience, Abraham would be a familiar character and would also likely remind them of God's covenant with Abraham. This relationship between God and Abraham was one of interdependence. In this passage, Paul talks about investment and reciprocal relationships, or interdependence, through the Trinitarian God's interaction with humans. In verse 26, the Spirit enters into relationship with us through prayer. In verse 27, the Creator God searches our hearts. And a little while later, in verse 34, it is Christ who intercedes for us. Paul models for us through these verses that the three persons of the Trinity are invested in us. How then are we to respond? For Paul, it would be to know that we are never far from God and to glorify God. To further emphasize our interdependence with God and creation, Paul uses familial language. Christ is the firstborn within a large family. This is a clever move by Paul using familial language to get people comfortable with interdependence. So much so that we see this theme of interdependence come up again in other language, in other Pauline letters. To Paul's credit, before I could wreck my head around interdependence on a large scale, I understood interdependence within my own family. For example, when I was little, I preferred not to talk at home. I found it tedious, and I would rather spend my time thinking. Oftentimes, when I did talk, my parents couldn't quite understand what I was saying because my voice was too quiet. I was easily frustrated and not very patient, often giving up after one try. So I would look to my twin sister, Rachel, to translate for me, and she did. In school, Rachel could be shy, and so a lot of the time I would do the talking, or at least a good majority of the talking, to people our age. I don't know about you, but realizing the interconnectedness and interdependence of everything and everyone around me took time. As a little kid, I knew I was disabled, but it only made me more insistent that I could be independent like everyone else. I was more stubborn than saintly, so I resisted help. I would refuse to hold my mom's hand because I thought she was just doing it to help me, and I hated it. 
The beginning of our scripture passage also talks about help. It says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, in the English translation. In the Greek, Paul uses help to mean something closer to sharing the weight of the work. In other words, the Holy Spirit is our co-conspirator in the work we must do and what we fail, try and fail to do. The good news about recognizing our interdependence with one another is we don't have to try to be all things to all people. We just have to try our best to glorify God in whatever way resonates with us. This idea of glorifying God can seem like a weighty task, and I think it's supposed to seem like one. I don't think Paul intends for us to take glorifying God lightly. Quite the opposite, in fact. But it doesn't have to be overwhelming. That's where interdependence comes in. We are all working together, even when it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't mean that we will always get it right. Anyone who's studied a little bit of history can tell you that. But the fact that we try means something. When Paul is talking about glorifying God in this letter, he is talking to a community, which implies accountability and discernment of the members of the community, both individually and collectively. For the, for the audience then and the audience now, glorifying God is an individual and communal effort strengthened by the gift of interdependence. One of the things I've always loved about interdependence is the implication of inherent worth of all involved. Different communities and different cultures have various ways of talking about inherent worth. The disability community will often talk about interdependence in terms of accessibility. For a lot of the disability community, accessibility is seen as an act of love and honoring the dignity of all involved. Advocacy around accessibility has become a big part of disability culture. We can also see this, in, this idea of interdependence represented in indigenous cultures, such as Maori. One of the things I've learned about New Zealand since coming here is the value placed on incorporating the Maori language and culture as a part of the wider New Zealand culture. During my time here in New Zealand, I've come to learn of the Maori word mana. Mana, as I've come to understand it, can mean status, but it can also talk about one's intrinsic value. It also has a relational value to it. One's mana changes in relationship to creation and to other people. Both of these cultural examples highlight the power of interdependence in using our gifts to help others shine. And I'm sure many of you can think of the spaces places and places where you saw interdependence articulated and practiced. As we've already talked about, sometimes interdependence can be hard to notice. And so I'd like to lead us in a time of silence and reflection. Perhaps you take this time to pray a prayer to deeper words, counting on the help of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you take this time to contemplate where you shine and glorify God, and where you can help others do the same. Or perhaps you just take 
these moments of silence to listen to the room. I will guide us in and out of our time of silence and contemplation and prayer. God, we know that you are closer to us than our breath, and yet as we enter into this time of silence with many things of our hearts and minds today, so may this time be for us what we need it to be today. God, we thank you for this time of silence today, for the opportunity to gather together in community to listen for what it is you have put on our hearts today. We know sometimes we struggle to honor you and others in the world around us. We know that Paul boldly proclaims in this letter that nothing can separate us from you. But at the same time, we do not always feel that way. So help us, God we pray, to lean into the power of interdependence and to know we are not alone. Amen. <clears throat> 